This is a broadcast of SmallCapVoice.com, a financial communications and investor relations firm. SmallCapVoice.com receives payment for investor relations and financial consulting services that it provides to its clients. You should assume that officers, directors, and employees of SmallCapVoice.com or financial analysts mentioned and their families hold a position and intend to trade in these securities for their own accounts. This is not an offer or recommendation to buy or sell securities. Information in this broadcast is presented solely for informative purposes and is not intended to be nor should it be construed as investment advice. As in all investments, an investment in a featured company carries an investment risk. Listeners should review the company thoroughly with a registered investment advisor or registered stockbroker. This broadcast does not purport to be a complete study of the featured company or other companies mentioned. Information used and statements of fact have been obtained from the featured company and other sources but not verified nor guaranteed by smallcapvoice.com as to completeness or accuracy. Such information is subject to change without notice. You're wired in smallcapvoice.com. Following is a presentation of smallcapvoice.com, today's leader in investor relations, capital formation, and retail support. Now, with your online business briefing, smallcapvoice.com's Stuart T. Smith. Welcome one, welcome all to this online business briefing brought to you by smallcapvoice.com. And once again, as you just heard, I'm your host, Stuart Smith, and we are joined today by Terratech Corp, traded under the ticker symbol TR. It's been an amazing year for the company. We've done a lot of work with them. We've done their earnings calls, so we've kept you up to date. But what I'd like to do now with CEO Derek Peterson is provide a year in review for maybe some of the new investors just coming into this deal here in Q4 2015. So let's welcome our guest to the show. Derek Peterson, how are you today? I'm good, Stuart. Thanks for having us back on again. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, Derek, you heard in the intro, you guys have picked up a lot of new shareholders in the second half and even in Q4 here, 2015. So looking back on 2015 for some of the new people, and let's start at the corporate level, then we'll drill into some of the divisions, some of the subsidiaries, and even geographically. But starting at the corporate level, let's look back on 2015. What were some of the milestones? You know, a few of our biggest things were obviously, you know, getting getting further progress in Nevada. You know, kind of looking at what our catalysts are working backwards. We have, you know, progress in California, progress in Nevada are going to be our two biggest catalysts for the next 24 months. So making the progress we did, you know, in Nevada, winning the additional two licenses that we won in Clark County. I don't know if you recall uh, prior year, um, we, we lost a couple in the competitive bid, but we ended up winning those two locations back, which gives us a, four, a total of four retail locations in Nevada. So that was a big win for us for the year. The expansion of the Edible Garden brand, obviously, uh, continued retail expansion, picking up retailers like Stop and Shop and having further expansion with Walmart has been huge for us. And uh, most importantly, one of the bigger, bigger catalysts has been the expansion of the Ibex brand. Uh, I think we're in about 180-plus retailers in California right now and continuing to expand production and expand that retail reach. Those, for us, have been the biggest milestones. We've had a lot of stuff that have happened throughout the year, but those have been the most productive and the most accretive, and we think those are going to be the most productive and accretive going into the next 24 months. You know, a couple of things that were touched on in the last earnings conference call was the uh, beginning of the trading on the OTCQX. This was a big deal for you and your company. Was because I promised shareholders since day one we were going to elevate our transparency and accountability as a corporation. Um, part of that was moving to the highest tier of the OTC markets. The QX is just up their standards, uh, and there's not that many companies uh, nationally on, on or internationally even on the OTC QX or 
we're in the company of a, of a handful of companies that are that are you know that are very creative and very productive for for people. So we're happy to be there. And you know, the next step, as I've always said, is the Nasdaq. You know, if and when they're ready for us, and that's something we'll figure out when we're going through the progress process. But we're really attempting to position ourselves. Uh, to get to that point, we have shareholders' equity over $5 million at this point, which is one of the requirements. We have a market cap over $15 million, which is one of the requirements. So we're working to get there. We've, uh, we've also set up uh, an independent audit committee. We've also added a new independent director. We've set up compensation committees. All the structural things we need to have from a corporate governance standpoint to make sure that we comply to those higher listing standards. So that's, you know, again, a promise that we made to shareholders, and we want to make sure we're walking the talk by you know, showing these milestones and having a, having a history of achieving them. Yeah, you hit on it. It all comes under that umbrella of enhancement to corporate governance. The company's done that in several steps, and as well on the corporate level, the company's put its public face out there, recently presenting at the LD Micro Conference in Los Angeles, as well as the 2015 Aegis Capital Corp, excuse me, Capital Growth Conference in Las Vegas, easy for me to say. Well, let's go on to Edible Garden. Gardens because they've been in the news recently here in December 2015. Let's talk a little bit about the second installment of Clean Energy Grant. So this is money being given to your company for running it in a clean fashion there in New Jersey. Let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, one of the core components of our brand has always been low carbon footprint, sustainability, and locally grown, right? That's one of the reasons we've had penetration in the retail market because the retailers have mandates. So I'll give you an example. Walmart recently has mandated their local buyers to their, their, their regional buyers to buy locally as much as possible from a produce standpoint. So we want to make sure again we're walking the talk there and we're actually producing in a facility that has an extremely low carbon footprint. The beauty of creating those technologies and refining those skill sets is we're able to carry that process of, that we're that we're doing cultivating produce over to the cultivation of cannabis and hopefully increasing our margins there as well. The beauty of it in this case is New Jersey had a, a clean energy grant program, and we've actually been financially rewarded for that very same progress. So the capital investments and the energy we put in our facility to produce a product that's very low from a carbon footprint standpoint, we ended up getting you know 300000 in the first two payments of that, this, this one that's over 200000 the one we got the other day. And the beauty of that is it's, you know, it's basically non-dilutive financing. So Edible Garden right now is at a point where it's cash flow break even. This is a nice buffer for us from a cash standpoint, which really helps with operations over there. And, uh, you know, we're looking to add more technologies over, uh, over the next couple years as, as, as technologies advance to, again, reduce the, uh, the labor, reduce the um, cost of goods, and that way our margins will ultimately expand and increase as we've, again, promised shareholders we're is an area of our focus. Well, Edible Gardens getting its name out there, now available through Fresh Direct. That came out Thursday, December 10th. Edible Garden Produce became available in the greater New York City metropolitan area, and that's also through Fresh Direct. That's going to get that name recognition out there. The company's also uh, available through 182 Stop and Shop grocery stores throughout the Northeast. The presence, it's out there for Edible Garden. It's really been a year where that company's hit its stride. Is that a fair assessment, Derek? I, I think it is, but we're certainly not done there. We think we think there's a lot of tremendous markets for us. California is a huge market. Colorado is a huge market. We want to expand in. We've been trying like crazy to get into Publix down in Florida, and we're continuing to knock on those doors. And it's just a matter that something goes wrong with their current providers, and and we're there, right place, right time, because we've been there the whole time and uh, able to able to pick up accounts. And that's you know that's how we picked up Stop and Shop and a few other ones. So we're going to continue to make sure that the name brand recognition gets out there. Fresh Direct was a great retail brand expansion for us because it's. You know, it's it's out. It's basically a farm to table direct model where people can purchase directly from the farm. Again, adding to that kind of low carbon footprint mentality. 
that we've developed around the brand. So we're going to continue to push into other states. We want to refine the model. We also want to expand the offerings in the additional fo- or into the current footprint, retail footprint that we have right now, coming up with some new products, coming up and experimenting with some new strains of, uh, I hate to use it as a can- cannabis term, but some new strains of basil, some new strains of oregano, and some, some hybrids and those types of things. So we're, we're pretty excited to be able to use that retail footprint to launch additional products into over the course of the next uh, 12 to 24 months. Well, let's change gears and talk a little bit more about IVEX. You talked a little bit about Nevada and as well as California. Aggressive expansion would be the term I would use talking about IVEX. Now you're up to 180 different locations carrying the IVEX brand. Again, a very good year for IVEX. Yeah, it was, it, it was a good year for us. Um, you know, we've, we, we, we've always promised people that we're going to remain somewhat of a craft brewer. So I would... I would, I would compare us to more of a craft beer than I would the Budweiser, for example. Uh, and because of that, you know, we're a small batch maker. Um, so we, when we decided to make that retail expansion, we decided to do so in a very controlled environment, in a very controlled way. We didn't want to put a bunch of bad product out there. We wanted to put in these niche markets like Los Angeles and the Bay Area, top quality product that was you know, made of the highest quality ingredients, produced in the highest quality facility, and tested to the highest quality standards before it was put onto the shelves. When you operate like that, you can't produce massive amounts of this product, at least with the way the market is today, with the infrastructures that are allowed to exist from a permitting standpoint. That being said, we're concentrating on high quality and focusing on very productive niche markets for us. We've had great expansion in the Los Angeles market. We're getting more and more expansion in the Bay Area and even working our way down to Orange County and San Diego County. So with the legislation change that's taking place in California, we've already gotten a significant amount of brand recognition out of the gate, and we've had a lot of media around the brand, being one of the first brands in the country. A matter of fact, Fast Company, I think it was yesterday, just put us in their holiday gift-giving guide. So stuff like that's just been a, been a huge catalyst to our growth and you know, supported that brand recognition that we've had in the state. And if, if things go right for us, California's got uh, recreational on the ballot that's being backed by Sean Parker from Facebook, we think it has a very high probability of passing, and if that's the case, we've already got you know significant brand penetration throughout the state. When people are able to, over the age of 21 are able to purchase without the barriers to entry of a medical card, we think that brand takes off even more aggressively. Well, let's talk about another brand, and we haven't touched on it yet, but again, active in the state of Nevada, uh, Metafarm. Let's learn a little more about them and the year 2015 for Metafarm. Yeah, so Metafarm is the entity for the company that actually went out and won all the permits, and what they're doing right now is they're actually in the process of breaking ground and building out the cultivation facility. So Metafarm will ultimately be the entity that's actually cultivating the cannabis from a commercial standpoint. From there, it makes its way through the supply chain. It's packaged as IVXX from a retail perspective and then sold through our retail stores, which are all branded as Bloom, B-L-U-M. So we're really trying to up the brand recognition for the entire supply chain from wholesale to retail to the retail, you know, the actual physical retail experience and, and right out to the customer. And for that, for us, it's been, you know, that, that's been kind of one of our strengths and our core competencies is making sure that we elevate the experience a customer has from both a product standpoint but from also a retail standpoint. It's nothing that's any different that exists in any other part of, of, of business, right? Starbucks, you walk into a Starbucks in Seattle, you walk into a Starbucks in, in, in Florida, and you have the same experience, you get the same products. And that's something that hasn't existed from a retail standpoint on the cannabis side of things. Now they're going to be able to begin to experience that. If they walk into a store in California, they walk into a store in Colorado, they're going to be able to have, or into a Nevada, they're going to be able to have that same retail experience 
from one location to the next, and they're also going to have access to the products that are the same from one location to the next. And when they come back a month from now, guess what? They're going to have that same experience then, and we think that's what's going to drive that brand recognition. We think that's what's going to drive that association with our brand that people continue to come back to us on a frequent basis. So we're we're, we're very focused on 2016, 2017, and continuing to push our brand awareness. Hey, Derek, speaking of Bloom, let's talk about some of those opening dates. Can you remind the investors, shareholders, potential investors about the work being done with Bloom in Nevada and those openings? Yeah, we anticipate the first retail store on Western, which is just adjacent to the Strip, to be open sometime in mid-February. We're on track. We're actually a little bit ahead of schedule right now, uh, knock on wood. Um, The beauty of uh, having a little bit of the postponement, we were originally supposed to open that uh, location towards the end of the year, is the market hasn't really developed much there. So the wholesale market and the access to the product has been spotty at best. So we're going to open up into a more uh, developed market, a more active wholesale market, which is been great for us. We haven't wasted the time and the energy and the money of staffing the place in, in, in a vacuum, essentially. So that first one should be open uh, mid-February. We should follow that up the following month with another location, uh, so sometime in late March, and then in April, the third location. And then as we roll into May, we'll have the fourth location open. We have to have everything open by May. As, uh, we, it, we will lose, essentially lose the permit if it's not done by them. But all of our construction's on track. We haven't had any construction issues or any last-minute concerns that have caused any type of delays. So we're on track to have all those locations, the three that are surrounding the Strip in Clark County, in addition to the one in, uh, one in the Reno location. Well, and that's all about name recognition as well. Nevada sees close to 40 million tourists a year. So as these locations open and the brands are put on the shelves, that's going to be a big boon for you and your company. One other nuance to Nevada that maybe the investors aren't aware of is it's an attractive market because it's one of the only states that recognize patient status of non-residents. Explain that for the listeners so they kind of get that. Yeah, the, 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 the economic beauty of Nevada to us always was the multi-state reciprocity. So they will literally, they will literally uh, allow cardholders from any legal state, whether it's Colorado or New Jersey or you name it, to come to the state. We validate the card, and they can purchase cannabis products in the state. Um, again, that opens up the pool to the 39 million potential people that come in there year over year. And the other significant catalyst in Nevada is it looks like it's going to have a high probability for recreational passing in 2016 as well. They'll probably implement that in 2017, but again, now anybody that's 21 or older that comes to the state, they don't have the same cardholder barriers to entry. They're going to be able to purchase the product, and we're so conveniently located to all the major uh, resort destinations, casino destinations um, in, in the city. We think we have a very high probability of, of ramping up significantly into that uh, legislative change. We've got one location that's uh, by the convention center, one that's over on Western, which is on the south side of the Strip by that outdoor music venue that's being developed there. And then one uh, kind of uh, just adjacent, if you draw a straight line over by Mandalay Bay um, into the community that's just adjacent to there. So great coverage around the Strip, you know, significant brand penetration and a high significant catalyst with recreational developing, plus the additional significant aspect of having multi-state reciprocity. And that's why we had put so much attention into Nevada was for all those different reasons. Well, it's been a wonderful year for us to stay in touch with you and your investors there at TerraTech. Now, investors or potential investors, you want to be added to an email distribution list. Just email trtc at kc 
SA.com. You can find all the information on how to stay in touch with the company via their press releases. TRTC traded on the OTCQX exchange. Well, Derek, thank you so much for your time here today. Once again, at smallcapvoice.com. Looking forward to 2016. It's been a wonderful ride here in 2015 for us. Uh, looking forward to 2016, as I said. Thanks, Derek. Thanks, Stuart. Appreciate it. Take care. All right. For Derek Peterson, this is Stuart Smith saying thanks so much for listening. Smallcapvoice.com, today's leader in investor relations, capital formation, and retail support, provides its clients with the highest level of service. Our audio interviews are disseminated to one of the largest opt-in audiences available today. How? We at smallcapvoice.com believe in aligning and affiliating ourselves with other leaders within the investor relations community. By sharing resources, each affiliated firm is made that much stronger and each client is served that much better. Our focus is to identify and provide the very best financial services and solutions available to clients and their shareholders. For more information about our services, please call us at 512-267-2430 or visit us on the web at www.smallcapvoice.com.